Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. They empty themselves upon the earth, and if a tree falls to the south or the north in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or the spirit, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. I want to preach a sermon entitled Wisdom from the Preacher. I want to fasten your attention, first of all, on the mistake that we make. It's made very clear in this passage of Scripture. And the mistake that we make in this present age is the age of the mega mentality. This is the age of mega buildings. This is the age of mega money. This is the age of mega people. And in this generation, if you put the building, big building, big money, big people together, it spells success for the generation in which you and I live. I was reading a a very good book to be worth your time to read. It's uh, a book that uh, has to do with the church age in which we live. And in this book, uh, he's giving the imagery of a young uh, uh, preacher. He's probably 24, 25 years old. He's a cool dude, no doubt in a Hawaiian shirt, you know. He can't be bothered with a shirt and a tie. He's cool. So he's pepping the crowd. It, it reminds me of, uh, of, uh, uh, of a sales uh, a rally for Amway is what it reminds me he's describing. And so he's challenging his conference uh, and says, what you need is to have a B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goal. Now that sounds fantastic. Going to have B-H-A-G. This generation is oriented uh, to the visible and oriented to the immediate. Look at verse 4 with me for just one moment. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So as we think about that for a moment, if we're going to take that at face value, we're going to base our ministry on that as a consequence of starting out life with a big, hairy, audacious goal. Now think about that. Here you are, Peanutville. 
as you start out, and that uh, mentality is in your mind, because you're not going to start out with a fantastic building, a fantastic money, and a fantastic success, and as a course of consequences, because of that mentality, you do not give yourself or want to give yourself to something that does not have an immediate return, no ministry that doesn't have an immediate response, or any ministry effort that does not offer an immediate reward, you're not going to want to give yourself to it because you're going to immediately be oriented to, to gratification uh, and to acclaim. Look at this text with me for a moment, uh, because the mistake that we make is to measure and calculate uh, from the invisible. Uh, you discount that. Look at this verse with me for a moment, for, uh, because what we have here is the unknown elements of life. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 2. And all of these make it very specifically pointed, you do not know. Now, I know this is the age of big brain. Everything's figured out. We've got a formula for everything. We know exactly what's going to happen. But the difficulty is uh, that if you try to measure and calculate uh, something that's invisible, you're going to miserably fail uh, and you're not going to succeed. I don't care uh, how many big, hairy, audacious goals you set. Eternity cannot be calculated and measured and valued uh, with a temporal equation. In verse 15, 44 of 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says it is on a natural body, it is saved, raised a spiritual body. So here we have an equation, and that equation is a temporal seed is going to be changed into a spiritual element and a spiritual consequence. So as we examine this for a moment, uh, the difficulty that we have in the present age of marketing the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is uh, that we begin to despise uh, small things. Listen to Zechariah 4 and verse 10. Who has despised the day of small things? Then again, Judges 6 verse 15, Gideon, God touches this man, uh, and when God touches this man and says to him, this is what I want you to do, he said these words, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. So what we have here this evening I want to bring your mind to is the error that we make, the mistake that we make, and what we have is a direct contradiction to the consumer generation in which we live. Paul Graham preached in our church uh, uh, yesterday, and uh, he related that uh, he was astonished to, to step into America, and he discovers we have a consumer mindset. He found the answer for jet lag. The answer for jet lag is going to Walmart and stagger around and look at the, all the things that are there. America has, you, you, you get a, a foreigner to come to a, a restaurant in America, it's an amazing thing to watch. You don't just order a meal uh, in America. You order a meal and then you've got option A, B, C. 
and then you've got option one or two. And visitors, are, they don't know what to make of all this because where they come from, you order a meal, you get a meal. That's what you get. <laughs> but you see, in our consumer mentality in America, and uh, this consumer mentality uh, is that we will despise uh, the day of small things because ever bigger and ever better uh, is the uh, mode of the hour. And one writer wrote these words, listen to me carefully, says the gospel uh, and the church selling it uh, cannot be uh, legitimate uh, if it is bought uh, by a select few. Now think about that for a moment because here we are, we're going to measure success. We're going to measure our own ministry. We're going to value what we're trading our life for. And if you're not very careful, if you're caught up in the consumer mentality, you begin to look around and suddenly you begin to see that if there's only a few people buying what you're selling, then automatically it must not be legitimate. Lock your mind into what I'm saying. I'm not preaching to you to have a small church. But if you have a big H-A-G mentality, you're not likely to ever have a big church. You'll be discouraged and quit before you ever get there because you're going to just begin to measure and the invisible is going to destroy you before you arrive at success. Listen to this quote, very powerful quote from this book. Pastor Tim Stevens and Tony Morgan outlined this belief in their book, Simply Strategic Growth, in a chapter titled, Bigger is Better. They write that a church should always be bigger than it was. It should be constantly growing. And they firmly believe that the bigger is what God intended for his church. And they firmly believe that. So consider Jesus' ministry on earth. Wherever he went, uh, growing crowds gathered to hear what he had to say. Stevens uh, and Morgan seem to have forgotten that Jesus' earthly ministry ended with only a handful of followers remaining. Everyone else had either abandoned or betrayed him by a strictly quantitative measure. Jesus' ministry was a failure. So what we have then is the deadly consequences of this mentality individually. We're going to measure the present. We're going to value our ministry and have a comparative dimension that we're always going to be imposing. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 said, who has, uh, says, but they measuring themselves by themselves uh, and comparing themselves among themselves uh, are not wise. So what happens to you with this kind of mentality uh, is you begin to take this consumer mentality, you begin to ignore the invisible elements that I'm going to talk about, you begin to look at the visible elements, uh, and you're going to become discouraged, uh, and discouragement is a failure of the will, uh, and you'll soon uh, be removed uh, from the scene. Now, I saw this years ago. I was pastoring uh, in a, for the Foursquare Gospel Organization. My wife and I would go to Bible conferences or international convention, and most of you have no idea what this is all about. You come to a conference, your pastor pays his sponsors for you, you get money, you get a meal, and I mean, it's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? It's easy street. Well, that's not the world that we came in. 
I would take the, uh, the uh, VA dividend from my VA insurance, uh, and that would what we would pay our way to conference with uh, as we went. So we would go to conference, and as we're there uh, in uh, the denominational world, uh, somebody would come up to us that uh, is grinning like a used car salesman and say to us, uh, now where are you folks from? And we'd say, Wickenburg, Arizona. Doesn't that sound big, hairy, audacious? <laughs> and you could almost see it like a, a glazed look would come over their eyes. I hate Hicks, I hate Hicks, I hate Hicks. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Some of you have heard the tape, some of you haven't. The error that we make is if you're not very careful, then you'll never arrive at that big, hairy, audacious goal because there's something invisible working behind the scenes uh, and you're going to be ignoring the obvious. Now think with me for a moment uh, as I talk. God delights uh, in a paradox. That's a seeming contradiction. Seven foolish things uh, are recorded in the Bible that God has used uh, for our instruction. One is an ox goat, one is a nail, one is a sling and a stone, another is a broken pitcher, another is a millstone, another is the jawbone of a donkey, and another is a shepherd's staff. Now, none of these things are going to appear into the arena of our generation, which is the bold and the beautiful, the rich and the famous. See, that's what we're caught up in today, and we never seem to learn what the Bible states very clearly as a principle recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Let me read it to you again, just as a way of reminding you. For you see your calling, brethren, not, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Now history records God's working, and it's in this text that we have. Here is an invisible mystery. Unless you learn this, the devil is going to gain an advantage over you and you're going to be defeated before you ever achieve your calling. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, the Lord Jesus wrote these tremendous words. He said, The kingdom of God, as is of a man, should scatter seed on the ground. And he should sleep night and day and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Now think with me for a moment, because what we have here is the invisible mystery of God. It is that behind the scenes working that you cannot calculate, you cannot measure that, you often do not even realize that it's going on or that's happening, but God has put paradox 
in everything that he's done, and there's a deliberate positioning of God. Philip goes to call Nathaniel, John's chapter 1. As he calls Nathaniel, he says to him, we found him. It's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the Messiah. And Nathaniel says to him these words, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, Nazareth at that time was a little village of about 500 people. It had a reputation for a twisted character, and that statement had come out of the observation of the people there that seemed to be out of sorts, and there were twisted individuals, and it had become a proverb. And so he says there, Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? In the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, we find this paradox again. The prophet says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, as we're seated here this evening, we are trafficking in mystery. I want you to lock your mind on this uh, because it's going to be very important uh, this week uh, how you respond to what God is speaking to you. We are trafficking in mystery. God has deliberately positioned uh, some of the most powerful truths of Scripture in a paradox uh, or seeming contradiction. Uh, and in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, let me read it to you. As you do not know, what is the way of the spirit or how the bones grow in the womb of her who, her who is with child so you do not know the works of God who makes everything for you do not know which will prosper either this or that or whether both alike will be good in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6 then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Now, I don't know if you picked up the words that were there, but what Jonathan is saying, let's go venture for God. I wonder if you came to this conference this week to venture for God. If you came to this conference to venture for God, you are a contradiction to the age in which we live because this is the calculating generation. Can you say amen? This is the generation that wants guarantees. We want a sure thing. Yes, I'm willing to go, Pastor, but, uh, but uh, what kind of guarantee do I have? None. Yes, uh, uh, Pastor Mitchell, I'm willing to plan that church, but uh, uh, how do I know this is going to work? You don't. This is the great venture that we have uh, in the kingdom of God, uh, and there's a lesson that a commentator has made. Uh, listen to this quote. Unseen events come from God, and the man who always gazes on the uncertain future will neither begin or end any useful work. The man 
who gazes upon the future will never begin nor he will ever end any useful work. There are no guarantees in the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts chapter 15 verse 26 says men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do the research, you'll find out that that means men who have gambled their life. This is the terminology that is used. There is no guarantee. There's simply venture. There's simply risk. And in Act 15, it names these men who have gambled, they have risked their lives. We can take that backward, and those also who are the senders are the gamblers. Can you say amen? I had a part in sending the first worker to Nogales, Mexico. I had a part in sending the first worker to Perth, West Australia. I had a part in sending the first worker to London, England. And as I'm stating that, you have no concept of what that's all about. It defies logic uh, because uh, we were working with flawed workers. I know you think that you are uh, of an upper cut. You're a little better class, but you're not. <laughs> we sent flawed workers. We had fatal failures. We had improbable prospects of success. Uh, and yet we can say as the false prophet Balaam, look what God has done. Can you say amen? Look what God has done. Now I want to talk to you for a moment about the glorious impact of a life. In the Bible, we find that a life is a seed. I preached this in a, another sermon some time ago. I'm not sure. I may have mentioned this. You may have heard it. Some years ago in Egypt, they found wheat seeds in one of those tombs. Those seeds were 4,000 years old. They took some of those seeds, planted them, and they came up perfectly and grew because something was in those seeds that is the mystery of God. Something was in those seeds, which is a principle of life, uh, encapsulated in a small piece of material that only God can create. You can take a wheat seed, you can take it, grind it up, you can analyze it, you can, you can uh, see the elements that are there. But something you cannot do is you cannot reproduce it. You cannot do that which God does. You can analyze the material. You can analyze the elements, but you cannot reproduce it, and you cannot manufacture it. It is a part of the invisible miracle of God, which is life. John marvels at this. Listen to these fantastic words in John, 1 John 1, 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we've seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Of course, that is speaking 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the exact example and principle of life embodied. John's gospel in John chapter 1 says, In him, Jesus Christ, was life. And that life was the light of men. Now, there's something here that is beyond measure that I want to point out and bring to your attention because time alone can demonstrate that principle of life which we've examined here in this passage of Scripture. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11 and verse 1, we read these words, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now, commentators aren't sure exactly what that is, but they speculate that this is the imagery perhaps from the Nile River. When it would begin to overflow and flood the floodplains, that men would go in boats and begin to scatter seed. And as they scatter seed, this would settle in the pools and in the soft soil would bring forth a harvest. And that's the speculation that perhaps that's what it's talking about. At any rate, what it is saying is that a life is the sowing of a seed. Now, Jesus enables that seed, and he speaks parables that bring us understanding. Listen to Mark 4, 31 and 32. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground, it is smaller than all the seeds of the earth, but when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, and it shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So here we now have a hidden mystery. That hidden mystery is the life of God, and that life of God working in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that that life is able to bring forth an impact that is beyond comprehension. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 45 and verse 3, said, I'll give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. So what we're dealing with then is a hidden mystery. We're dealing with something that we cannot measure with our eye. We cannot measure. We cannot see that happening. Only God can bring that to pass because it is life. It is divine life. It is a spiritual working beyond the scenes. It is a spiritual working beyond your capability. But God calls you and I to a single purpose and that is to plant our life. Listen to one scripture, John 12, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces uh, much grain. Now, we know what that's talking about, but one thing that we sometimes pass over is that we're talking in that passage of scripture about planting a life for God. Now, this has stunning dimension. I was talking with our good friend Paul Graham, who uh, pastors in the suburbs of Perth, West Australia, 
he reaches way back in our ministry. I was uh, pastoring there in uh, 1981. And he reminded me that he was not a part uh, of our movement at that time. He and his wife were uh, in another church. And they had a little music group. They were trying to win souls. They had a burden to win souls. Uh, and uh, they were invited to take this little music group to Geraldton, West Australia, church several hours up the coast. Uh, they had no transportation. Uh, and I gave him the keys to a van that we had uh, and allowed them to drive that van up. Uh, and this made a fantastic impression uh, upon this young man. It won his heart. He shortly thereafter came into our church because he saw something that was his own heart and his own spirit. Uh, he had a burden to win the loss for Christ, uh, and he wanted to plant his life uh, in the kingdom of God, uh, and that made an impact on him. Today, this young man and his wife are pastoring in Kenwick, West Australia, and are touching the world. Nations of the world are being touched uh, in that congregation. Now listen to me for a moment. Where I've come then is from the mentality of the world around us, the Christian world. Bigger is better. I'm not against church growth. I love to see more people come. The more people I preach to, the better I feel. My ego, man, I tell you what. <laughs> it was wonderful being on the courthouse plaza on Saturday. There's thousands of people. I said, wow. I've preached to lot smaller crowds than that a lot of times. Can you say amen? amen? But think with me what I've said here. Bigger is better. I'm not against church growth. I'm not against a bigger church. But I want to tell you that bigger is not always better. Sometimes it's filthy and foul. Sometimes it smells awful. Sometimes it only takes one simple, straight sermon to clean the house out. If you weren't here on Saturday, we had uh, the eminent United States Senator John McCain was with us on the courthouse plaza and appeared for a couple of minutes and gave honor. Did he honored our schedule? and uh, spoke very briefly and sat down and did stay through the altar call. I, ju I just asked Pete, I said, uh, how did McCain uh, like the program? It's a wonderful presentation. They do a, a patriotic God and Country rally. Said, he, he said, this is tremendous. He really, really enjoyed uh, the presentation, the patriotic rally, but he sure didn't like that preacher that stood up and preached the gospel. <laughs> Well, that's too bad. It was our program, not his. He's amen. And when they contacted us that they wanted to, uh, he wanted to appear and say a few words, I said, that's fine. But you tell him before that, this is what we're doing. Uh, no politics. We want nothing but uh, honoring the military. This is what it's going to be, five minutes or less. And at the end... Uh, we're going to be preaching the gospel. If they want to come on that terms, no problem. Bigger is not always better. 
It's the principle of life that bears fruit. And there is no principle of life unless Jesus Christ and his power and his life is released. And it can only be released in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to these words if I call your attention to this. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 22, your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 5, my father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great mighty and populous. Now I mentioned Paul Graham because he is a part of a fabric of our overall fellowship touching the world because Australia has become a place where people are immigrating, refugees are coming in from all over the world and here in this little fabric of society is a church. That church is reaching precious souls from several different nations uh, and a few Australians. But it's a part of an overall fabric of our fellowship uh, that fits the pattern of this seed of planting a life uh, that bears fruit. David uh, Marks called me last week, I believe it was. David Marks pastors in Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. Now, Chilliwack is not exactly the center of the earth. Little church just runs regularly under 100 people, has planted several very valuable workers, uh, planted into Russia. Uh, this is spun out into uh, Mongolia, spun out into Vietnam, spun out into Cambodia. And he was telling me this, this astonishing word. You no doubt will hear from him or some of the workers. Uh, but he was telling me this. They begin to calculate uh, over the churches that they have planted and had influence on and granddaughter churches, they calculated that about 700 people a month are coming to Jesus. So let's back to the church world. How many are running your church, brother? 90. I hate Hicks. I hate Hicks. I hate Hicks. <laughs> See, the church world doesn't understand what I'm talking about. The church world despises uh, the worker that will plant their life uh, and say, God, I want to win people for Jesus. I want to make disciples. Uh, I want to reach the world. Uh, and you can do that uh, from the smallest city on earth. Uh, and you can do that uh, from a very small number of people if uh, you will plant your life. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Wisdom from a preacher. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. 
So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. (laughs) We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. (laughs) They let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a win-win-win. This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait, Pastor Adam, Dave, what what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.